0: Welcome to the Drought Resilience Podcast, where you'll hear from farmers across parts of South Australia who've battled consecutive years of drought. You'll hear what they did to keep their farms viable and how they mentally coped. I'm your host, Annabelle Homer.
1: Further east of here, it was that dry, there was Mallee trees dying. So when you got Mallee trees dying, you know it's damn dry.
0: In this episode, you'll meet Paul Schutz from Point Pass near Udunda in the state's mid-north. His family leases and owns 4,000 hectares of mixed cropping country, spanning from Neal's Flat to the south and Buberawi to the north. The last four years have been the driest his family has ever experienced. But off-farm income, leasing properties and containment feeding has got them through. This is Paul's story.
1: hasn't started off all that great yet but we're only in February so hopefully get better from here on in.
0: So let's paint a picture of your operation we're in the shearing shed at the moment we're looking out onto your containment feed lot it's looking pretty dry but it is supposed to be dry at this time of year just paint a picture for us.
1: Yeah that's right Yeah, I suppose we're heading towards the end of summer so yeah traditionally it is dry we've had about 15 mil of rain for the year so far just here um further around us we have had some thunderstorms that have dropped up to 60 million places. Um, but, yeah, we're looking at our containment lot here. We've got seven pens, capable of holding around about 2,500 sheep. At the moment, we've got some weather lambs near at the moment. Um, but, yeah, once we get rid of a few of them, we'll be bringing some ewes and, that are high on lamb just to top them up before they go back out into the paddocks to lamb.
0: Well, tell me about your family operation because I understand there's four brothers and three sisters?
1: Uh, four brothers and two sisters. Four there's brothers
0: si- and... Th- Two sisters, right?
1: Yeah. Sisters are almost out of it. Our brother or my brother-in-law did work for us for a bit, but yeah, um, farm with my three brothers and my father, and my mother and their partners, so yeah, keeps us all going.
0: So how does that all work? You well,
1: we're still trying to work that out ourselves. <laughs> yeah, now nah, we all get on okay um, at the moment. My two youngest brothers pretty much shear off-farm off and on-farm for probably nine and a half, ten months of the year, and they're here for seeding and harvest, so... Yeah, we do a bit of contract hay cutting and stuff around the place as well. So,
0: And you're on here full-time? Yeah. You're the only one on here full-time?
1: Uh, myself and my next brother, Bevan, we're on the farm full-time. Bevan actually um, runs a bit of an engineering business besides farm work and truck driving and fixes everyone else's stuff up. So, yeah, he um, does a good job of that.
0: So, tell me a little bit about yourself. and You're born and bred
1: yep, born here, and bred here yep. in Udunda. Yep.
0: And finished school, came straight back on the farm?
1: No, yeah, I didn't finish school. Got the end, of, got halfway through year nine and thought that was enough. Year nine? Yep. And is uh, that a
0: running theme with some of your other brothers too? Well, yeah,
1: kind of is. None of us have really got to year 12, but we're still making a go of it, I suppose.
0: So why did you decide to leave at year nine?
1: Uh, there's nothing that there interests me anymore. At the time, we never had ag studies at, at the area school year anymore. But um, since I left, Dad probably pushed for it a little bit and my next brother, Bevan, he was actually the first group back in the ag ag studies group in, at the area school. So yeah, got that back off the ground again. If I'd have had that there, I might have hung around school a little bit longer. But at the time, I was doing a certificate two in TAFE, certificate two in agriculture. Mm-hmm. That probably helped me leave school because I was still further in my studies. So that got me out of going to school, so that was good. And did
0: you come back onto the farm, or did yeah, you go I, elsewhere?
1: I went shearing for uh, off and on for. About seven, six, seven years full time. Um, besides seeding and harvest, come back home for seeding and harvest every year. But um, yeah, otherwise, yeah, shearing around the place, mid north, and never got to the southeast. But I've done a little bit out in the pastoral country. So yeah.
0: So all of you have done shearing in some shape or form. Uh,
1: all four of us have learnt. But my my next brother Bevan, who's got the engineering business, he only gets on with sheep if he's got a knife in his hand. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise the le- rest of us has learnt to shear and made a bit of a go of it.
0: The running theme of this podcast is that the last few years have been quite tough for many people or for many farmers in this region. How tough has it been, been for you and your family?
1: Uh, it has been reasonably tough. We were probably some of the lucky ones though. Just right at the start of the dry spell, we were lucky enough to pick up um, a lease block down at, between Mount Torrens and Tungkillo.
0: This is around what year?
1: Uh, 2017, the middle of 2017, we started down there. We, like say, we were lucky because, yeah, we didn't have to sell too many. We didn't have to sell any breeding ewes. We managed to send a 1,000 down there. But, yeah, other than that, here at home, it's probably been one of the toughest four to five years in, in living memory.
0: Is that what your dad says?
1: Yeah, that's what, that's what my dad says. Like, all the old blokes used to carry on about 1982. Yeah, that was such a tough year. But, yeah, if they reckon that 2017, 18, 19 were all top topped 82 so particularly just to the east of us here like um, this valley here our cropping portion we actually still managed to reap something in, in all the years over most of the farm whether it was just seed back or we certainly didn't make too much profit out of the cropping but um, further east of here it was that dry there was mallee trees dying so when you got mallee trees dying you know it's damn dry.
0: Can you give me an idea as to how little rainfall you've had
1: Yep. Uh, Well, 2017, I think we had uh, about 190 mil, which our average rainfall is 350 is what it used to be. Now I'd say it's probably 325 is probably closer to the mark. And then 2018, I think we had just a fraction less. So yeah, around that 180 mil. And 2019 was pretty much the same. I think we might have just just got to 200 that year. And even 2020 wasn't wasn't a lot better I think we had 250 mil for 2020 but it just fell just at the right time come out of 2020 okay so yeah it was probably our, one of our better grain years in 2020 just because the rain fell just at the right time so yeah. what yeah. about 2021 2021 yeah it was we had some tough patches it started off okay in June but yeah it got into August and September and it hadn't rained and Luckily we jagged a, th- a thunderstorm in the end of September and that just got us across the line with a bit extra sheep feed and a bit of grain. So, yeah, that certainly helped out.
0: So when did you get involved with con- containment feeding?
1: Probably it was in the height of the drought. 2017 we didn't contain a lot, but 2018 we locked all our ewes up. So we kind of just stumbled across it, just sort of looked a little bit at what other people were doing and then, yeah, made the rest up from there pretty much.
0: Water was an issue... Um, in some parts of the country or some parts of the area that went through drought? Has water been an issue here?
1: Uh, not so much with some of the lucky ones. We've got mains. We're pretty lucky in that regard. It does cost us, but we wouldn't be running stock without it because we don't have clay in our ground here for dams to hold either. On the whole place here, there's only two dams that sort of hold half reasonably well. So, yeah, we're pretty lucky to have mains. But we'll, we would like to try and steer clear of the mains if we can in the future, just... Try and catch as much rainwater as we can, just to have mains there for backup rather than rely wholly and solely on it.
0: So, how has containment feeding worked for you and for drought-proofing your operation?
1: It has created a bit more work, but in saying that, we've managed to keep all, all our breeding use too. Like in um, the start of the drought, well, two thousand end of two thousand and seventeen, we bought a mixer, and yeah, with the with the hay that we had on hand and um, grain in the silos, we managed to. Feed the feed the ewes right up to lambing, then putting them out in the paddock. And most people would say, "Well, why don't you just lamb in in late winter or springtime when you got feed on the ground?" And for us, it doesn't work so well here because we're on the drier side of things. And by springtime, we've got grass seeds if we've had a season. Feeding the ewes on a mixed ration out in the paddock is yeah, we've basically taken the the lack of rainfall out of it. We're sort of a bit more in control in that regard as long as we've got grain in the silos or hay in the shed we've drought proofed ourselves in that regard I suppose so financially if you actually sat down and done your sums in the in the toughest of tough years we're we're still making something out of the lambs but at the end of the day but probably not as much as you would if you're lambing on grass obviously but um just being able to hold the numbers at where we've held them and not have to buy breeding stock back in I think we're miles in front by doing it by being able to do that as long as we don't go through 10 years with no rainfall, obviously, and hay's expensive or well, grain's expensive, but, yeah, certainly in doing that, it's helped us out a hell of a lot and being able to wean our lambs on the grain feed, hopefully, into late winter, into into springtime. Mm. We don't lamb in, in containment. We've never tried it. There's certainly people have tried it, but for me personally, I'd like to see a, a you out in the paddock with a bit more privacy to lamb, really. You women don't like seeing everyone seeing your birthing so i suppose uh sheep work along the same lines
0: how do lambing percentages compare to say before the drought
1: if anything we've probably picked them up a little bit just because we have started scanning use for our last three four years before it got dry and we had to feed everything 100 percent. we weren't quite so hot on the on the dry use um so now we're, we're pulling them dry ewes out and not concentrating on feeding them quite so much and just concentrating on the, the ewes that are in lamb. Um, so if you go on an artificial percentage, we're probably better off than what we were before the dry years, but that's just, just through management, I suppose.
0: When the drought breaks, are you going to keep them in containment?
1: We, we're probably not the whole lot like we were, um, but certainly a percentage of them, if, if we weren't lucky enough to pick a gisman up anywhere just to keep some cover on the paddocks um yeah just keep the cover there for leaming, even in the good years like if we were wholly and solar continuous crop and we, we wouldn't be running any stock but in the climate we're in we can't afford not to run stock so yeah just keeping cover on the paddocks is probably a key note so even in the good years the containment lots still will, will play their field i think
0: how much have you noticed the improvement of your pasture considering you're not running stock on oh, it so much our so. hill
1: country's probably improved the most. Yeah, a like lot when my grandfather was running up there was stock in the hills all year round. Whereas now they only get locked in there over autumn just while the feed in the in the more open paddocks are getting going. But yeah, certainly even though it's been dry years we've probably kept better cover in our hills. It's probably picked up from ten, twenty percent cover to ninety percent cover. So yeah, no, it's a hell of an improvement there.
0: Uh, in a previous interview with another farmer there up at Oruroock they had improved pasture and improved cover, but a lot of kangaroos and emus and wildlife came in. Do you have that same issue here?
1: Uh, We certainly do get a few roos. Um, For some unknown reason, this dry spell, we probably haven't had as much wildlife, perhaps because it's been so long and prolonged. I think a lot of the the, um, wildlife east of here actually died, just lack of nutrition. Um, I know when you're driving the roads out, between Sutherlands and Morgan you 'd see wombats out there just skin and bones, and they just dropped egg, which there's there 's enough of them out there to replace them again, but um yeah, like in the eighty two drought, Dad talked about mobs of hundreds of emus and and roos that come in, which we certainly did have some like but not not in mobs of hundreds we 're probably lucky in that respect.
0: I heard wombats are a real problem around here, though I mean in the past they 've causing huge problems,
1: yep, yeah, they certainly are. Dad's cousin's got a plane and if you go for a fly out to the southeast of Year 20 k's, there's hundreds if not thousands of acres you can't even graze out there anymore cuz the wombats are so thick and they've just taken all the all the herbage off the top of the ground.
0: Well, there's one benefit what, from the drought, isn't it? I'm
1: not sure what the answer to them little buggers are, but wombats certainly are an issue.
0: Have you got any tips for people who want to head into containment feeding?
1: Personally, I think shade's a big thing. Haven't you your pens or your paddocks big enough that you can, like, that. you're not cramming them in. Like, our whole containment area for 2,000 sheep probably takes up about five or six hectares. You don't want to have them crammed in, especially if they're high in lamb, yet sheep pushing around and you might get the odd abortion if that's what you're doing. But yes, shade and fresh water I think are the two most important things if you're going to set up a containment lot.
0: So, do you think you have enough shade here?
1: Well, I think we do. We've actually put up some shade sails, which are about 200 metres long by four metres wide. That does three pens and the other we've got just shade trees planted around the outside. But if you could set it up sort of somewhere around an existing scrub would be ideal. Haven't been lucky enough to have that where we've set ours up. It's probably a 10-year process to get it all up in operation properly though. Like The shade sales won't last forever. It's probably only a five-year thing. But hopefully by then the trees that we've got will be big enough to shade the pens by then. So,
0: The grain that you've got, is that all from your own farm or have you had to buy it in?
1: Uh, we only buy lupins in. But yeah, otherwise all the hay and the, and the barley we produce ourselves or if someone comes along with a frosted wheat and hay crop or something like that, we'll go ahead and buy it and whether we use it ourselves or on, sell it down the track. That's, we'll just figure that out on how much autumn rain we get and how much we need to feed out ourselves.
0: So what's the plan? You've There's four sons, there's Dad. Do you hit up Dad and ask him, you know, what's the plan, Dad, in the future?
1: Well, just to add to that, there's seven grandsons as well already, so...
0: Okay. yeah
1: i suppose for the future well yeah we probably look at keeping expanding where we can all us boys are still young i'm only 33 myself and all the other three brothers are younger than that so hope we've got a, good, a lot of good working years left in us yet to try and expand it and branch out a bit from just relying wholly solely on sheep and cropping and Try and keep a few other sidelines going as well, probably.
0: So, sidelines, you're meaning shearing? You mean yeah, a bit off, of engineering work? Off-farm
1: work. We always refer to it as OFM, other farmers' money.
0: Well, it is what it is, really.
1: That's yeah. right, yeah. Just, um, yeah, contracting in the hay industry or, um, yeah, like I say, my brother Bevan, we branches out a bit doing machinery maintenance and stuff around the place with other people as well. Um, works Works together with... Farm tech, and you're done to Shane Chiller a bit, so he sort of subcontracts for him and yeah, whatever else comes along, really. Never really say no to, to anything where we think we might be able to make a bit of a go out of it.
0: I hear that you also renovate shearing sheds.
1: Well, we don't like to advertise that fact.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> Why?
1: <laughs> well, we have got enough, to, enough other stuff to do, but yeah, we have done a few shearing sheds in the past. Yep, we built our own four stand raised curve board uh, about five years ago. We've done three others besides that since then. So I'd yep. much rather be holding on to a handpiece in a shearing shed, but I'll certainly get there and help, help renovate them or or refurbish, rebuild them.
0: So, how did you and your brothers get through the, the 2018 2019 mentally? I mean, you have to walk out here every single day. It's dry as chips. Yep. How do you get through it?
1: Yeah, it is tough. Like, you lie in bed at night and wonder when it is going to rain next. I suppose probably. Having so many of us, like if you're feeling a bit down one day, you you just talk about it. That's probably the the best way of doing it. Don't just sit there and dwell on things. Um, but yeah, just hard work and determination, I suppose, to get through it, and in the hope that it is going to rain again one day.
0: What's the one thing that's got you through?
1: Cold beer and my wife. You always need someone there to just talk to. Like, it doesn't have to be a DM or anything like that. Just feeling a bit down today and yeah i suppose they try and cheer you up a bit but yeah otherwise it doesn't hurt to have one or two beers going over the top sometimes is a bit much but one or two doesn't hurt
0: how about the community generally of Udunder? yeah just talking to your mates i mean how has everybody coped during this time
1: the dry seasons combined with coronavirus has probably knocked everyone around a little bit mentally um I think when people get the opportunity to, to get out now, they, they all do. Like at the Udunda show this year, I'm a president and my wife Mel's a secretary. And we had a bit of an after party there this year. Just We actually got a little bit of funding out of persa to hold a community event at the end of the day. And um, for the people that hung around and did just beer and barbecue at the end of it, everyone that I've spoken to since said it was a really good idea. And there was no speakers or anything there it's just a band playing at night yeah, everyone just getting together and having a chat like and that's... how about
0: the local businesses how are they going
1: probably yeah the drought has knocked them around a bit but the virus i know there's one one local business has had to shut because of the the vaccine status not being able to get enough electricians to to keep going but yeah we're probably reasonably lucky in under as far as engineering works go we don't rely wholly and solely just on local work it's the mining industries and and further afield that keep them going. So, but yeah, everyone certainly found it tough. Like when it's dry, people just they they don't spend money. Like they, they go an extra couple thousand k's without getting their vehicle serviced, or the tyres get a bit more wire hanging out of them before you change them. So yeah, it certainly has knocked everyone around in that regard. I think.
0: Did many farmers walk away during the last few years because, as you said, it was the worst dry spell in living history here? So more tough for some
1: yeah not too many off the top of my head um there's probably been a few that have leased their farms out in that regard but yeah th- as far as I'm aware, most people are still on a, on the on the land here so just
0: destocked considerably. yeah there's there's a
1: hell of a lot that destocked like anywhere of here, people probably destocked ninety percent of their breeding flocks, some completely got rid of their sheep, not very many, but yeah some certainly certainly a hell of a lot got sold yeah
0: so with the rain in November and in January, are some of you in a better shape going into 2022?
1: We're slightly better, like anywhere in the past of country has certainly responded to that rain quite well. But yeah, sort of in the cropping areas, it's probably just got more summer weeds going than anything. So, But yeah, going forward, the um, thunderstorms that we did get certainly should have helped put a little bit of subsoil down deeper. So it should certainly help for the future, future years ahead, hopefully.
0: So between your three brothers yep, and, two, a, sisters, and so. two sisters, yep. you've got ten children. Yep. Are you working for them? Is this all for them?
1: Yep, I like to think it is for the next generation, yeah. Setting it up. That's what my old man's always done. He's, he's always worked for his kids and, yeah, we'll continue that tradition, I suppose.
0: Do you think it's a good life?
1: Oh, I wouldn't swap it.
0: You wouldn't swap it? No. Nah. You wouldn't encourage your kids to go and try something else before they came back here?
1: Yeah, I've got no hassle with the kids going off and, and just seeing how the other half live, just get some different ideas on what else happens in the world and bring some different ideas back to the place. Like, I mean, I never really went off-farm full-time other than shearing, um, but, yeah, certainly just doing that just helps you understand a little bit how other people work and um, just get some different ideas. Learn how much beer you're allowed to drink and not allowed to drink, I suppose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have any regrets about not finishing school? Nah. So, if your child said, Dad, don't like school, he's 14 years old, you know, in this and age, would you say, that's fine, son, just come home and help me out?
1: Uh, probably, I wouldn't give him, give him that easier option. I'd I'd say probably you should stick it a little bit longer or find something that you do enjoy doing and, and head to, down that path. I wouldn't say that just go and drop out, because I did. It's not necessarily going to be the best thing in the future, but, yeah, I'm certainly not going to say to my kids, you have to go to university and bloody do all that, garbo. But I um, <laughs> won't encourage them not to go to school, but I won't discourage them to go to school. So
0: The kids, how old are they? Uh,
1: the oldest daughter, she's ten, and the youngest one's five. The youngest lad's five.
0: Do you shield them from what you're dealing with?
1: You try and shield them to some extent, but I'm a firm believer in if, if the kids are going to want to be farmers, they've got to know exactly what it's about. Like, she's not just easy straight. Like, you you got to take the good with the bad. Like, if you see a dead sheep out in the paddock, you go and make sure you explain to the kids why it's died. Like, whether it's had something wrong with it or fly-blown or it's had trouble lambing or something like that. You just... Yeah, you don't shield them from it too much because it is what it is.
0: Where do you see the place in ten years' time, Paul?
1: If you had to ask me that ten years ago, I probably wouldn't have wouldn't have uh, said we'd be where we are today. So I don't know. I think. Um,
0: what do you mean in dr- in the drought or well, just or but, containment feeding? What do you mean?
1: Well, containment feeding. Um, yeah, I mean we weren't expecting three of the driest years on record ten years ago. Um, but in saying that. We've still been able to keep up to repayments with the bank and leasing more land um around the place, like we lease land at borough as well and Without that, we certainly wouldn't have got through these dry years as well as we have that's helped pay a lot of bills here and in this area where it is drier it's yeah that's certainly drought proofed us and water place aimed and where my brother Mark lives, that was in two thousand and seventeen, so right at the start of the dry years we we actually bought a place up there and to still have that now is its good to know that we can still go ahead when it is tough.
0: Would have put a lot of pressure <coughs> on yeah, you though. did. Financially yep. and even mentally just thinking, oh, you know, going into a drought year.
1: Yeah, well, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But yeah, there, there was certainly, like up there, even the neighbours said they'd never seen years as tough as what it was the first year we were up there to still come out of it and not have having to have sold anything to till now we're we're pretty pretty lucky really.
0: Were there was there a time when you were you might have had to sell or stop leasing or at any point? Um, was it getting to that stage where financially you had to start not cutting back?
1: Nah, not really. We always just found went and found something else to do. Like we always have some way of paying the bills, like we just go and work for someone else, like do some think outside the square, go and build another shearing shed for someone in the better country to pay this year's interest or something like that or go and do a couple months shearing to raise a bit more money or when it was dry, we well 2016 was a hell of a good year so we had a lot of hay stacked up and that got us through 2017 as far as the sheep feed goes but we weren't too sure how we were going to go in 2018 and the old man said as cruel as it sounds, he said start praying for a frost in the west and sure enough frost vent come along and, and um, there was quite a few wheat crops and canola crops that got frosted over there and we were lucky enough that it was one or two fellas in the west that were looking out for us and said we've got some frosted crops over here, you want to buy them standing and that's what we did and we fed our sheep and with it and um, yeah what we didn't use ourselves we sold to pay for the crops so yeah that certainly helped too but just never stop looking out for where the next dollar might come from I suppose.
0: What piece of advice do you give the next generation if they have to go through something like this in the future?
1: Never forget God, I suppose. Have faith. There's always someone out there worse than you. When you think it's bad, there's always someone worse. Just have a look around and be thankful for what you have got.
0: Well, thank you for spending the time, Paul. Really appreciate it. And good luck in 2022. Hopefully things will turn around for you and the rest of the family. Thanks, Annabelle. Good advice, Paul. That's Paul Schutz, a farmer from Point Pass in the state's mid-north. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes of the Drought Resilience podcast, please take a moment to rate or review. This program is supported by the Northern and York Landscape Board through funding from the Australian Government's Future Drought Fund.